0: Hey everyone, it's Ryan, your host of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. This is a podcast where I sit down with some amazing people from all over the world who have a story to share, experiences we can learn from, and knowledge in areas that we can apply to our lives to help make us happier and overall just better people. Each episode has a different topic with information in all different areas, but each aimed at helping you understand this journey we call life. Just a little better and from a different perspective. We'll touch on everything from nutrition, mindset, mental health, relationships, to travel and adventure, and much, much more. And I'll even experiment with some advice and information along the way to see how it affects me along my own pursuit of happiness. And don't forget if you love this episode or any other episode, please subscribe and leave a review so that way I can keep bringing you so many more amazing guests and great content. And speaking of great content, on this episode, I welcome Christina LaCure. She's a confidence and mindset coach, motivational speaker, a former professional golfer, and a three-time reality television competitor. And yes, I ask her questions about that. But this episode is mostly about confidence and mindset. We dig deep. I really wanted to know what a confidence coach tells herself especially before she tees up on hole number one in the tournament. Christina gives so many good tips and tricks throughout this entire episode. I'm actually following one right now. I am standing while holding this microphone, recording this intro, because that's what she does to get more enthusiasm. And honestly, I think it's working. I'm going to stick with this when recording all of my solo episodes and intros. So Christina, thank you for that tip. And there's so many more good tips and more nuggets in this entire episode. I can't thank Christina enough for giving so much great advice. We go over the story that you tell yourself is so important. We talk about rejection. We talk about being nervous. We honestly talk about everything. Christina is a rock star. You can tell on her website she actually has listed. She has a no bullshit approach and you will find that out very fast in this episode. But honestly, that's the best kind of coach there is. She will definitely tell you how it is. And I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. So without further ado, here's Christina LaCure. Hey, what's up? All right. All right.
1: How are you?
0: That is a sweet background.
1: Yeah, it's pretty
0: good. There's a lot of a lot of gear back there. Oh, you're uh, showing me up. I need some stuff like that in my little office area.
1: I've been. I take calls from here every single damn day, so it has to look pretty decent.
0: That looks really cool. What you got back there?
1: Um, I don't know if you know or not. I'm assuming you do, but I played professional golf.
0: Yeah, I do. I've done a yeah, little research I figured, on you. I
1: figured, I figured as much. But yeah, a lot of it is golf stuff, television shows that I've been on, um, clients that I've played with, like David Faraday and Arnold Palmer and Peter Jacobson. And then my husband's a big Cowboys fan. And- I saw
0: that. I was like, ugh.
1: Oh, where are you based?
0: Uh, so I'm in North Carolina, but I actually oh, grew okay. up. I'm, I'm a Broncos fan. So Oh,
1: cool. Awesome. Well, actually, the Bron- I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And the Broncos were owned by a guy from my hometown. Bolin? Yeah, Pat yeah.
0: Bolin. Yeah. yeah, great owner. We miss him dearly.
1: Yeah, crazy. Like the he had Alzheimer's, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so you're from Alberta? Like, why are you here? I'd go back there. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my God, amazing. are you kidding? It's, oh a, it's so beautiful.
1: Oh, I hate, oh, I'm not a Canadian anymore. I'm like, Canadians have lost their damn minds. It's like. I don't know how you believe but like it's very um locked down
0: yeah now it's different now it's a little different yeah, yeah I'm just talking about because a year ago year and a half ago I went to Banff and uh um,
1: oh, yeah so I drove like four hours from there my I was there before the lockdown um uh, my cousin got married at Silvertip. both of my cousins did in Banff I'm originally from Edmonton but uh we go to Calgary all the time I got to cut Couple of good girlfriends there. My mom and my aunt have a condo in Canmore, right outside the Banff Gate.
0: Yep, yep. That's I think yeah. where we stayed actually. My dad and I went. I think we stayed there. It was Canmore. Uh, Canmore.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's right outside the gate.
0: Yeah. Where's okay? So where's Silver Tip?
1: Silver Tip is like a golf course inside Banff.
0: Okay. It's just like a random. Inside? I have a random question now. What? Is it expensive to get married in Banff?
1: Um. I got married in Hawaii, so it was probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's costly too.
1: Yeah, it was it was expensive to get married there. Um, I you know what? I have no idea. I'm assuming it is because they did it at like a really nice golf course. I don't really know, but I'm assuming it probably is.
0: <laughs> Just randomly, I know my mom and dad are probably listening to this conversation, but like, cause I love. F- and my girlfriend yeah. had never been. I was like, you know, if we get married, oh, you should—you like, could
1: totally do it up there for sure. It's gorgeous.
0: It's freaking so beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's really, really pretty. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. It depends on how the world kind of goes up in Canada. Yeah. Um, at this point in time, like, I mean, we're you know twenty something months in, and they're still on lockdown. They're still you know, haven't really opened up. I'm a Canadian and I haven't seen my parents for over 20 months oh, man. and I'd have to quarantine for like 14 days without seeing them to begin with. So it's a very difficult situation up there right now. We're actually in the process of getting my parents um, their green cards.
0: Oh, wow. Is there a, I don't know, like at, like at the end of this tunnel, do we have any idea when the border of May open?
1: They're seeing like maybe July 21st. From what I hear, it's maybe the end of July. It'll be only for vaccinated people, only for Canadian citizens without a quarantine. So it's uh, it's definitely a weird world.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed Canada. I've been there quite a few times. I, I loved, loved the...
1: Canada until their government went like off yeah. the water. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Honestly, it's just been so crazy here with covid yeah. I didn't really pay attention to many other countries. It's like, well, I can't, I told recently, I was like, I can't go anywhere anyway. So what's it matter? So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so w- tell me, is this, are we recording now for the podcast? We are
0: recording. Yeah. Why oh. not?
1: Well, I know we're <laughs> recording, but I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like normally it's like, hi.
0: Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> so then so I will
1: watch what I say about Canada.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we've given them a compliment. I do love it up there. Like I, oh, I went to gorgeous. school I in love Buffalo. my family. I went to Buffalo, and so I went to Toronto many times, to Niagara many times. Like I said, Calgary, Banff, Vancouver. Um, I've to go anywhere like central, like in Edmonton yeah. or Winnipeg or anything. But I would. It's beautiful. I love it up yeah, there.
1: Gorgeous country. People are really nice.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Very true. And first and foremost, I should have started this podcast off with a thank you for bearing with me. Um, oh, we had wait. a we had a first. So people who are listening I scheduled you what, three weeks ago probably and 10 minutes before we were supposed to connect I'm working all day and my internet goes out I'm like hold on a second here I, I was like hitting reset reset I'm like messaging you on the side like I'm so sorry I don't know what's going on it turns out lightning hit in the T box or whatever it is so the entire neighborhood and area we lost internet. So, oh just—I'm actually happy that happened before rather than during our podcast because yeah. that would have been like, what the frig? <laughs> that would have sucked. Totally. But I felt so unprofessional. I almost felt like you know you're married and now I'm in a yeah. relationship. But you know the days of like online dating, where it's like, sorry, can't make it, not feeling well, and then just <laughs> you never talk to him ever again. I was like, hope she doesn't think I'm so unprofessional.
1: <laughs> Dude, you know what? Here's the thing, I. I saw how panic mode you were in and I'm always able to kind of like fill in and do different things. And, you know, my whole, um, kind of MO in doing all of these things is, you know, I make sure that it fits within my timeframe. Like that's why when I message you, I was like, yeah, I don't do evenings, but, um, you know, I'm more than willing to do whatever to get, you know, whatever message needs to get out to whomever needs to hear it. And, Always happy to reschedule and make it work as long as it's in my time.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, like, don't tell anybody I'm doing this during work hours, but I, it's your podcast. Exactly. And I, you know, I, this is my lunch, but you know, it's, uh, if I really want someone on here and I really wanted you that I'll make it work. So, yeah. And that's a, the way
1: I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, trust me, if someone wants it, they will make it work in your that, schedule.
0: That goes for almost anything in life. If you really Always. want something bad enough, you will make time for it. So Amen. I'm a big believer in that. Totally. Um, so I, what, I reached out to you probably about a month and a half ago now, because I loved your background. And I love the fact that you are a confidence coach. Granted, you are many things, Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read it off because Ooh, I actually perfect. wrote it I wrote it down. Uh, I either got this from your Instagram or your website, but so we have a confidence and mindset coach, which is exactly why you're on this episode, but we'll dabble into other things. Motivational speaker. You, as, as you just mentioned, a former professional golfer, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Three-time reality television competitor. Tell me... Do, Before we get too deep in anything, tell me more about that real quick.
1: Yeah. So if you have, if you know anything about golf, then you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't follow golf at all, you have absolutely no idea. It's nothing (laughs) fun like the bachelorette or like big brother, all of those crazy reality shows. Um, I was on a show called the big break on golf channel. I was on there, um, twice, um, Gosh, however many years ago, I think 2007 and 2009 were the years that I was on that and then I was on another show for the Golf Channel called Shot Makers which really never took off, but it was a reality show um filmed at Top Golf Las Vegas.
0: Oh, sweet. So what's the purpose of those shows? What like what did the winner get?
1: You know, it was a reality show based on golf. It had a lot of, you know, personal caddy you know, fun things that made people tune in each and every single week, but it was like a golf competition show. And so like the most famous part of that show was the glass break challenge. And so you had to like break panes of glass with your golf ball from, you know, distances away. And, um, the winner of the show got a tour exemption and a couple hundred thousand dollars and a car one year and all of the things. So on one season, I won cash. And on the second season, I won cash and a few trips.
0: That's pretty awesome. You enjoy your time doing that?
1: Oh my gosh. It was such a great experience. The golf channel were lovely people, like their producers, their team are really awesome. I will tell you the first experience I was not prepared. I was new to kind of like the whole golf scene and I didn't realize it was definitely a catty reality show based upon golf. So the first season was like a natural disaster. They made me come off as like a huge. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast by the way? Go
0: for it. Yep. Okay, cool.
1: They made me come off as some huge bitch. And um, I, you know, I, I didn't really know any better. I didn't really realize what was happening. Uh, did I say the say the things that I said? Absolutely. But I'm an extremely competitive person. And one thing that I'll say that I now know about reality shows is they don't just pick anyone, they have slots for people that they're picking. And mm. I was definitely chosen as like the dumb blonde but they totally chose me as the wrong one because I am extremely competitive human being. And in no regards, do I find myself dumb? I'm a lot of things and I may be blonde, but I'm not dumb and I'm extremely competitive. And they kind of figured out halfway through that, that were the case. And then they totally kind of like reformulated the show around the competitive nature and the cattiness of the girls. And so the first season, it was kind of a bit of a train wreck, but Hey, that's what happens when you do good television, you got invited back. And then I ended up winning it. It was a men versus women competition the second time and ended up winning it with the girls team. So it was cool.
0: That's awesome. Now you said they made you like a bit like, so you, but you said the things you said, but what did they splice and edit it up to make it look like? No, they don't
1: splice and edit it up, but they'll like ask questions to like, make it seem like certain things are happening. And Mm. keep in mind too, that a reality show is like 45 minutes on television, right. By the time you cut out commercials and stuff like that, but we film, you know, 14 hours a day. So they can take whatever the heck that they want. Actually reality shows it's like illegal to, um, basically manipulate a reality show, but they can show what they want to show and they can cut what what they want to cut. And they can take questions that are kind of leading towards certain things, but, uh, Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I don't regret any of it. It was a huge learning experience for me. And looking back, it's like, you know, it definitely propelled my golf and television career at the time.
0: I was going to say, did that kind of propel is probably the right word. So when that was done filming, you kind of like moved to a different level as far as notoriety and things you were able to do.
1: Yeah. That was kind of before social media that thank God, thank God. Um, It was like, Oh God, I would have been torn into pieces, but cause I was even torn apart on blogs. Um, but (laughs) Oh yeah, it was crazy. Blogs were a thing back then. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, for sure, it was definitely like an amazing experience for me. I'm definitely thankful that I did it, but I, looking back, like I grew so much in like, personal self-development during that time, knowing that like what was going to happen afterwards was definitely a blessing and being able to market myself after the show was over. Like I started hosting corporate and charity golf events and no one had ever done that before, but it started out with, you know, me doing like local radio where I live here in Arkansas. And like, people were like, hey, would you come out to my golf tournament and like hit shots and sign sign golf balls and beat the pro type of situation. And, you know, that really just kind of springboarded into almost like a 10 year job being able to do that. So And it all started with getting, you know, a little bit of notoriety on a golf channel show
0: that's really cool i gotta ask yeah. you how did you get chosen for that i imagine there's thousands <laughs> of people that tried to oh get
1: yeah it. back in the day like the golf channel used to interview like literally tens of thousands of people for that show, because it was such a big deal. Like, I mean, they probably did 30 seasons of that. Like it was by far the highest rated show on golf channel at the time. Um, And it was so weird. I was playing on the mini tours, the professional tours in Arizona and, um, a girlfriend of mine here messaged me and she's like, Hey, they're doing auditions for a big break. You should try out. And I was like, well, what's that? <laughs> and so I went and I just, I literally, was just myself. I did an in interview. I hit like 10 shots and they're like, okay, we'll call you. And that was like, I don't know, springtime. But I remember they called me in October because it was near my birthday. And they're like, Hey, just want to like, call and let you know that you've been selected as a finalist and you know back in the day that they needed to prove that you know you were a woman at birth that was the number one thing. Nowadays I don't know how they'd handle that but oh, they just said like so you're an actual real girl. I had to send in my birth certificate and uh then after that it was off to the races. I filmed my first show in Hawaii and then the second time we filmed in Dominican Republic. So I was really lucky to have chosen to be a part of some like really good shows. There were some like really crappy locations over the years, but I got two of the good ones. <laughs> That's
0: freaking cool. Now, what were you doing when you got accepted on that show? Did you have to like quit your job or were you just golfing full time or what? Uh,
1: yeah, I was playing golf full time. I had just uh, graduated college and I had just turned professional and I was actually at the final stage of LPGAQ school that year. I qualified my first chance, my first try, which not very many people do. I qualified my first year. I went to final stage and then right after final stage we taped for two weeks in Hawaii I think it was like 17 days um the filming in Hawaii a lot of people had jobs though when they were you know when they're a part of it and I guess you just take two weeks vacation I don't know I didn't have to think about that <laughs> yeah
0: 17 days isn't too bad but I imagine no. some of these shows is a much longer commitment yeah so.
1: it depends on like the reality show I guess from what I've heard like there's some that takes months to film I have a client Who was um, selected to American Idol and they were having to be like basically quarantined for up to six months in a hotel in Los Angeles um, for the for the filming so you'd really have to make a strong commitment on if it was worth it or not.
0: I always wonder that. Cause I watch these shows occasionally. I'll remember like the real world and road rules and
1: Oh yeah. Back in the day. Well, yeah. It's cool. like, what do these
0: people do? They just quit and just take off for five, six months, whatever it is. It's like, yeah. it must be nice to do that. But I guess maybe they're just like, you know, I'll, I'll get paid in the back end for it from being on TV. So yeah, you,
1: you know what though? Like you literally do not monetize a reality show. Like in you monetize the reality show after, but like, right. You do not get paid crap. Like, I think I got like $5,000 or something like that. Like, you know, like a stipend. And they, but they do treat you really well. You get up and get put up in great places, all the food, all the drinks, all the booze, all the things, and, you know, a bunch of fun swag and stuff like that. But they definitely don't pay well, like, until it's like a big reality show. Like, I'm sure, you know, you've heard that big time reality shows, they get paid a ton of money to be a part of it if they're like a, you know, part of a big series or whatever, but most reality shows you don't get paid.
0: Okay. And now I know my dad is listening to this. Who's a big golfer. I'm an okay golfer. I golf sometimes, but my dad's a big golfer and I'm sure he probably would want me to ask you right now. What's the best course that you've ever golfed?
1: Mm, There's a few really good ones. Um, I think one of my favorite golf courses is uh, the Dinah shore course out in Palm Springs, just because it's always where i played my best during Q school. Um, there's a few really amazing private golf courses that I have been lucky enough to play. There's a couple of good ones in Canada, like, uh, Jasper Park Lodge is beautiful. Uh, one of the best courses like around where I live is called the Elotion Club. Super, super private. It's kind of like, um, they call it Augusta west of the Mississippi. There's a place in Dallas called Dallas national. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's a place the hardest golf course ever is up in Pennsylvania. Um, gosh, where else? I don't know. Like it's, it's funny that most of the courses that I really, really enjoy are just like these super private like courses that you wouldn't really know. I've get to play golf with like a lot of, um, you know, clients back in the day mm-hmm. Oakmont, like that's the one I was talking about in Pennsylvania. It's okay. super ridiculously hard. Um, Yeah. I've never played Pebble and I've never played Augusta. So those are the two that most people ask.
0: I was going to ask you, have you ever played Augusta? What about St. Andrews?
1: No, I have zero desire. I absolutely hate cold weather and I have (laughs) zero desire on the planet to go play any of those European cold, like blistering. Yeah. That's probably why I don't even want to play Pebble because I'm like, oh, if it's ever cold, I don't really care (laughs) to.
0: And now I know why you left Canada.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Another reason why I left Canada. It's cold as hell there. It's like, mind you, this is the hottest week they've ever had. Like, I think on record, it's actually hotter up there than it is here in Arkansas. And I'll take, I'll play in a hundred degree temperatures every single day before I play under 60.
0: We're the exact opposite.
1: Yeah,
0: no, I hate the cold. No way. I hate walking around. He's getting all sweaty after like 30 seconds. It's like, ugh, I just feel. Oh, I love that. Sticky. You
1: play better because yeah. you're so loose.
0: It's so humid here though. Just, just yeah. sweat, just <laughs> sweating, doing nothing. Ugh. I love it.
1: I love it. I have a Stairmaster in my garage. It's 100%. Oh humid. my I God. Just I love it.
0: No way. <laughs> Everybody's different, I guess.
1: Yeah, for but
0: sure. I love talking about, golf. we can keep talking about this, but I'm, I was just thinking kind of before I had you on, like, You have so many titles, but yet they all intertwine because Mm -hmm. there is no sport on earth that confidence affects more than golf. Golf is, how much would you say is confidence? Like what percentage?
1: I'd say golf is like mindset-wise once you get to a certain level. Like the guys on tour, there's like, a slight degree in difference of the best of the best of the world. And the best of the best comes down to, in my opinion, the mindset behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you're at that upper echelon level, I mean, a swing's a swing, a putt is a putt. Most of the time, but like really the differentiation, there is the confidence part, like who believes that they're amazing. Who's on that week, who can get out of a bad moment quicker, who doesn't believe that there is bad moments. Like, I mean, it's just like the littlest things on the planet that, um, matter the most in sport, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. See, I grew up playing baseball and I remember everybody would say it's like 80% what goes on between your ears, 20% physical talent and golf, I imagine is probably even more honestly, because I do know being like an amateur golfer myself, not that great. Once I hit one shot in the woods, it's all downhill from there. It's the next shot's bad. Then it's bad. And it really starts spiraling out of control. And I, I applaud the people that are just like, okay, one bad shot, we'll leave it behind me. We'll move forward from here. And this is how do you approach that? That's just such a great mind- mindset to have in sport and in life and anything. Um, people have a really hard time with that. And it's, it's funny too, cause my girlfriend, it was a really big track star in high school and college. And she said, there was always just this one girl that she knew she would lose to every time. My girlfriend said second place. I came in second place all the time because, and I was like, well, why? Because you both fast, you both train the same, you both practice the same, you know how to run. What is that? And she said, it was her mindset before the match, before going in, she knew that she was going to win. She was so incredibly focused that she would just pull away from everybody. And this kind of echoes exactly what you just said right there. So mindset is percent. Yeah,
1: like a really good example of that is um, Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everyone for a decade, everyone knew they were playing for second. No one could rattle him. You know, obviously it's different now, but like even myself in college, like I've never really been good at anything. I have just um, worked harder than most people. And now I have a really great mindset. But like even in college, like I was called the intimidator and it just kind of I really do believe that like your mind controls your life. Like Hmm. you 100% have the ability to control everything in your life by controlling your mind and controlling what you believe. And I know a lot of people, you know, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to that. And the minute that you realize that the minute that you actually control your life by controlling your thoughts, your life changes.
0: It's a random question. Who has the best mindset? In pga right now do you know the you PGA? would say yeah because um, obviously or lpga because obviously we yeah. was a tiger back in the day but
1: back in the day it was a hundred million percent Tiger. there's no doubt about it i don't watch a ton of golf anymore but i will say like there's kind of two ways to kind of look at it and i believe that this is probably true and take it with a grain of salt if you want but there's people who are really, really smart. So like a Bryson DeChambeau and like a Phil Mickelson, very intelligent people who think very analytically around the golf course. And then they can like analytically rationalize, like what's actually happening on the course and kind of get back to kind of center, um, quite easily. And then there's people who are like, <laughs> perhaps a Dustin Johnson, for instance, who literally just is like ball hit, Like Mm -hmm. let's hit ball and doesn't like really allow any thought into it. Those people will probably have the most success. Cause when you're caught in the middle of like the emotions, when you almost have like zero emotion and you can look at it with zero emotion, you'll probably play better golf.
0: Yeah. It's almost like sometimes paralysis by analysis sometimes. Right. Yeah. That'll get me. Sometimes I can be somewhat analytical, but it's like the times that, I don't know, you have a few drinks in you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm just yeah we call it the it? like the beer buzz like you're like crappy crappy and then you get to a certain point that you're like really 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 good and then you completely tank but if exactly. you keep that beer buzz at like the perfect like temperature per se um you should play actually really good but most people cannot control like the perfect non-give-a-shit uh mentality
0: <laughs> yep and then you start playing better and you start pressing like oh i gotta get this Correct. right here.
1: <laughs> exactly the best golf is played when you're not actually thinking about what you're doing, you
0: got nothing to lose. It's almost like the same thing. Honestly, like when you go into like a date and or like an interview and you're like, you're, you're acting like the end of the world doesn't rely on that. You know, like you can, you can mess up. You know, it's okay. You could just be your normal self. And I feel like those are sometimes the situations that you do the best in. It's when you start putting pressure on yourself is when you start mumble jumble and you don't know what you're saying. You start sweating and you start like, it's almost like grip the club too hard. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Um, I'm really interested how you became a confident and mindset coach. How does that happen?
1: Yeah. Um, I tell the story on plenty of podcasts. So when I was uh we'll kind of just start right here, but when I was 18, two things happened to me. And I always say this and it's kind of like the beginning of the story. But when I was 18, two things happened to me. One, I got good looking, and two, I got good at golf. And from that moment on and There's
0: that confidence.
1: There it, but, <laughs> there it is. But the but the truth is like I got good at those two things. And what it really did for me is it gave me almost like this hit of external validation. Everyone around me was like, you're so good. You're so pretty. Your life's going to be perfect. All of these things. And for a really long period of time, I got addicted to that validation. I got addicted to all of the girls that were thrown at my way. And I was about 18, like I said. And so for the next probably nine to 10 years, I was doing everything under the sun to get that notoriety, to get that validation. And during that period of time, you would have thought my life was pretty damn good. I was playing professional golf, you know, as an all-American in college, I had this television shows, I was doing all the things, but internally I was a hot mess, an absolute hot mess. I was extremely unhappy, didn't know what brought me joy, had an awful eating disorder, didn't know if I even truly wanted to live. And it was because I was so addicted to what everyone else told me I should be doing in this world that was going to bring me happiness. And none of it was. And, you know, I looked around I was like 27, 28. And I looked around and I was like, holy shit, I have way more than so many people. What in the hell? Like, I am not happy. Other people are happy. They have way less than me. How do I do that? And that was really kind of like a rock bottom moment. It was a come on, <laughs> accumulation of so many things. And it was just like, in that moment, I just decided something was going to have to change. Cause I knew if I kept going down the path I was going on, bad things were going to happen. And so I really kind of dove into growth mindset. I grew dove into self-development and for the next, you know, until now, basically, but, you know, for probably five to seven years, I just became obsessed. I read every book, listened to every podcast, went to every seminar, hired every coach. And I really just started changing my life organically. And at that time, people were coming to me like they were noticing the changes. They were just like, how did you do this? What do you do? Can we have coffee? Can I pick your brain? Blah, blah, blah. And that was really the time in which like that small, still voice inside of me was like, this is actually what I want to do. I want to help people go from where I was, which was a total train wreck to where I am now, which is, you know. When I probably started in this industry about five years ago, I was in a much better place. Like it was a complete 180 from where I was. And so that's how my business organically started. I just knew that I could help others go from where I was to where I was now. And then, you know, I became obsessed with it and my whole entire existence started to change. And it didn't happen overnight. You know, I'm five years into this business, I, I didn't go all in in the beginning, but. For the last three years, this has been my full-time gig, and I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with helping people live fully in their purpose, confidently, profitably. And um, yeah, that's kind of the long story short of how we got here.
0: Oh, that's a great story. Um, And it's it's always better having a coach or a mentor that's actually gone through it that (laughs) makes you you relatable besides like, I'm just some attractive girl who can bomb golf balls and I'm a mindset coach. So deal with it. You know, it's, you went through the grind, so it's very relatable. So I'm sure you, you're able to tap into helping people that much better, um, and, and relate to them. So that's awesome. Like, I'm just curious, did you feel like the need to keep up your like physical appearance and diet and all that stuff growing up?
1: Yeah. It's so interesting because like, I didn't really even think about it until I started getting that validation. And I kind of like, I went like when I was 18. So like what happened when I got back from, I went backpacking by myself so I'm originally from Canada a lot of people take a year off after college I ended up taking three years off or not after college after high school and I ended up taking three years off but during that time I went backpacking by myself through New Zealand came home like five months later and I guess I got in shape and looked a little bit different and that's kind of when the external validation came but before that like I was just kind of a tomboy I've always been like athletic you know never really thought about appearance or weight or any of those things but like the minute I got that validation it was kind of like oh shit like there's something to this and that's really when i started getting like stupid skinny and but i was modeling at the time you know things like where they're like hey good job you and then you know i'll i'll say right now for the last probably 5 years um i will say that like i have definitely healed myself in the eating disorder uh arena which is such a blessing and you know a lot of people a lot of people suffer with that like whether it's you know full-blown or whether it's just like thinking about it all the time I will say like over the last five years there hasn't been one day where I've really thought about that but I actually don't think about my weight anymore Um, I've pretty much stayed the exact same weight for the last five years. And it's definitely probably 10 pounds heavier than I was when I was in the midst of my chaos. But I work out now just 100% mostly just to clear my mind. I'm so busy. I have such a high stress not a high stress job but like a a job where i now take on working with my clients so i do one on one coaching i do masterminds i have my podcast i have my community network i work with both men and women and i take on a lot you know i always say coaching and therapy are different because coaching is like Therapy we find out why you are the way you are and like we can talk all day about it. Coaching is like this is the this is why cool. Now how do we take action to change that? And mm-hmm. you know, I do business coaching, but a lot of it is the mindset part of it and throughout the day I take on a lot of people's stuff whether it's business stuff emotional stuff all of the stuff right I am kind of like the vessel for that and if I didn't work out I would have absolutely nothing left to give and so for me working out now is just like a place to like clear my mind um I don't eat perfect by any means I would I I deprived myself of joy for a really long time thinking I was better than others because I didn't eat something or I didn't drink alcohol. And now I just do whatever the hell I want to do. But I also learned that, you know, I don't have to have everything all at once.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just, like, I can see why you're a mindset coach. Cause that's a great mindset to have. I mean, I even struggle with that sometimes, you know, like my weight goes up and down and like during COVID, you know, like yeah. snacking on everything. And I was like, I tried to put it on my pants again. I was like, oh shit, these don't fit anymore. So got to uh, figure that one out. But um, that's that's a really great place to be. If you don't mind me asking, yeah. um, as far as like the eating disorder, for people who are listening that has one, what was your kind of first step out of getting? For getting sure.
1: It was there. like, I will say that this is the number one thing I think in my whole entire life that has helped me. And whether you believe in God, source, universe, Universe, doorknob, Buddha, whatever. I truly do believe you have to believe in something greater than yourself. For me, it's now God, but I did not come from a faith filled background. I did not come from a religious background. I didn't come from any of that. But when I was at my lowest low, like low in golf, low in the eating, low in life, low, didn't really even want to live type of situation, I got to a point that I was like, fuck me. I can't do this myself. Like there's got to be something higher than myself. That's going to help me. And I truly do believe you have to believe in something like, I'm not telling you it has to be God for me. That's what it is now. And at the time when I came to my faith, like it, it wasn't, I didn't know what I needed, but I was like, I can't do this myself. And I think a lot of people who are very high performers that I work with, like they try to control all the things. And that was me as well, but I had to give it up. I had to say, I can't do this by myself. And it was really like this moment in time where I was like, enough is enough. I have to do something. And I had to start being vulnerable. I had to start like talking about it, whether that was just with my, my husband now, but like, I mean, I've been with my husband for 18 years 17 years he was with me when I was a complete shit show and he's with me now and you know it was I had to be open and vulnerable then I had to like kind of set up small little promises every day I had to you know figure out that like my worth didn't come from what I did and I think that that was such a big part and I work with a lot of guys and a lot of women but The world that we exist in right at the moment, we are trained to believe that our worth comes from either what we do, how we look, how much money we make, all the things. And I had to kind of come to the conclusion that like, I was not worthy based upon how I looked and what I did for a living and how much money I was making. And like, that's a hard thing for people to understand and to grasp, but it's just like small steps every single day. I think having faith you know, taking action on something that you enjoy. Cause for me, I was replacing the self hate with the thing that I actually love to do. Like I love what I get to do on a daily basis. And when you're falling in love with what you get to do, you start, you start to love yourself. And then it takes away the desire to kind of prove yourself in other ways. Like I don't get me wrong. I love the fact that I was a double zero and I had rock hard abs and a nice ass. But I also know that I like myself better now as couple abs and okay ass.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll trust you on that one. Okay. Why do I feel like you are a big fan of Brene Brown? Would I be right in saying that?
1: Yeah, I I definitely do like Brene. I, I haven't followed her for uh, quite some time. You know, I think at some point in time, one of the things that like is kind of like the main theme in my business is decision, faith, and action. My business is based upon deciding it's your turn. And I think what happens is in the beginning of self-development or even mindset work or whatever, people consume, 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 and they forget that there's a lot of action that needs to happen in order to make changes like I can read all of the books I can listen to all of the podcasts and it kind of gives you like this dopamine hit when you do it right you listen to this podcast you read that book you hear what other people are doing but then at some point in time you really have to take action for yourself and so yes I've read a lot of Brene Brown um you know Gifts of Imperfection is one of my absolute favorite books But I do think too, that like, I just am now like so much in my lane of like, what is my role in taking action for my life that I don't follow a ton at the moment.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. I feel like you are a few steps ahead of me and maybe talking to you is going to get me there. Um, I am, I definitely have a passion to do this. Um, I love it. I, I have a passion of traveling. I'm passionate of my job. So I found really what I'm passionate about, what I'm good at, it's finding, um, it's almost to me, it's almost like finding the next level, um, I want to say like of success. I still occasionally somewhat have a chip on my shoulder. It's like an F you, I'll show you. Okay. I want to get rid of, yeah. I want to be less like that and more. I don't know, work with others to achieve and to accomplish goals rather than F you, I'm going to show you. <laughs> so, uh, I think, I think I, a lot I, of
1: that comes from like our growing up. Right. And like that totally right. We're all, like, every, like I have great parents, but like my parents totally screwed me up. Your parents totally screwed you yeah. up. We are mm-hmm. all just like, it literally screwed up human beings. Like this is 80% of my work. We're all like, very screwed up human beings. And our job is to like heal ourselves and re-teach ourselves and take from our parents what they did really, really well. And the parts that they jacked us up in, We have that's our choice to now like re-parent ourselves in those decisions and like those choices and like all of the things. So every time that you're trying to prove your worth, trying to prove, you know, Mm -hmm. I will show you, that's really just ego coming in. And like, that's the thing that's actually holding you back what you said about success, number one, I tell people all the time, like you've got to know what success means to you. Like if you're looking to other people to find like what successful is, or what success is made out of, you are, Totally screwed up because I tell people all the time that like I am a coach and I'm a badass coach. But the only thing I do is hold you accountable, consistent, motivated and confident. I've never one time put anything into a client ever. I give you the external perspective because it's already in you. You already know your job is then to keep pulling it out.
0: So your website says you have a no bullshit approach. A
1: hundred percent. (laughs) Yep. Both, bud. It's for sure both. But that's why I'm good. Like, that's why I'm good at what I do. Because like, I know for a fact, this is my purpose on the planet. And my job is to make sure that like, some days I am like, I can love all over you. But other days, I'm going to have to give you the hard shit. And like, that's what you pay for. That's why you're here. Because like, hard things is how you actually have the biggest most breathtaking, beautiful Mm -hmm. moments in life. Most Mm -hmm. people try to escape doing hard things. Like our whole world tells you like, get off easy. Don't do anything hard. No behind a hard thing is like the greatest moment in life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a coach that kind of agrees with you and everything isn't much of a coach. It's the coach is going to push you to do things you don't want to do. That's going to make you kind of level up, I guess, in so many areas. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you talked about your childhood. I'm such a believer in that. Your childhood really affects like the way you are today, big time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of how to to word this. As far as like you said, parents like kind of jacked you up. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there scenarios that jacked you up? It really messed up your confidence as a kid. Like what are some scenarios that we could possibly do better as parents in the future for our future kids to put them in more of a successful situation?
1: Gosh, you know, I think What I know, like, you know, I'm even in therapy with my mom. And I always say, like, it is just the biggest blessing because it's like my mom was literally the mom who's tried to do everything under the sun for us to make us happy because that is like she was born to be a mom. Right. Like that is like her biggest joy in life. And she is so damn good at it. But of course she made mistakes. Of course she screwed up. You know, I think I believe like every human is in is like inherently trying to do their best. But if you don't know what is best, if you don't know like that you're wounded, you know, like whatever it was that her, you know, parents did, that she's like screw that, that's the worst thing ever. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do the exact damn opposite. Well, then it jacks me up on the other exact side, right? Like it jacks your kids up on the exact same side, right? Like Let's just say, for instance, your dad's an asshole. Well, then you're going to be like the kindest, nicest, let your kid get away with everything in the world. And that kid is then screwed up and then they go to the opposite side. I think oftentimes that we go to like the polar opposites instead of finding out like what's the middle and what is the wound that I am trying to like repair by going to the other side, right? Like where am I wounded as a human? So I don't go wound my children the opposite way. Right. Like that's like a big part of it, but like, there's so many things too. And you think that you're doing something so right. And you know, kids, kids interpret things so differently than what an adult would interpret. Like doesn't matter what it is, you can tell a kid one thing that they could regurgitate 20 years from, from now that like was one of their biggest wounds and you could have meant meant it completely different. I mean, think about even in the conversation with my husband. I could say something to my husband one time. And like we've been to, through therapy as well, you know, on my podcast, the Decide It's Your Turn podcast, my husband comes on there quite often and we have like these conversations about the own our own work that we have done. And you know, One of the things that we worked on together was the fact that like, I was a very independent person. My dad always told me like, don't be a typical girl, like work, you know, work yourself and be strong and take care of yourself and all the things. And then I get into a relationship and I was like, (laughs) the first thing I tell a guy, which every guy on the planet Wants to be someone who provides for his partner most of the time. I tell my partner, I don't need you. So I'm telling him that, like, I don't need him, which is the worst thing on the planet that you can tell a guy is like, I don't need you. And so, like, it's just all of the things. And I just think that there's just so much work to be done and, like, to give one example would be very, very difficult. But like, I think our job as human beings is just to like reparent ourselves so Mm -hmm. we can continue to do better and better each generation.
0: It's funny, you said the whole wants to be needed thing, because I do date somebody that is very strong and independent. And I love that about her. I really do. That's one of my favorite things. And we still run into issues sometimes where I'm just like, let me help you, I need to feel needed. I know you don't need me for most things, but you can pretend like you do, and/or just say I can use your help, and it makes me feel like I'm accomplished and I'm doing my job. So
1: that is a hundred percent like verbatim everything my husband has said and more. And I think like kind of, I don't, obviously I don't know your girlfriend, but like, I really had to understand that like, every time I told Nathan, I didn't need him, it was totally wounding him. So now I make him like, there's definitely little things that like, I make sure number one, know your spouse's uh, love language. That's very, very helpful. We
0: So we actually did a love language podcast, like a month and a half ago, we recorded it. So we did oh, cool. that.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Good. But you know, what I would tell your girlfriend is the fact that like, what I really had to get clear to Nathan. Nathan, is that like, I don't want to feel like I can't take care of myself, but I want you to know that like, I 1000% need you as my husband. I need you as my partner. I need you as my best friend. I need you. I need you. I need you. But when I say, I don't need you need you. It's because like, I can take out the trash. I can earn my own money. I can do these things. And like, but sometimes I have to sit on my ass and be like, Hey, babe, can you take the trash out for me? That would be amazing. And he'd be like, yes, of course I can. <laughs> and
0: you always got to ask politely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> always, hey, man, you But, you know, we, we do understand each other now and that takes a lot of work, you know, mm-hmm. marriage, like we haven't been married 18 years, but we've been together a long time mm-hmm. and it is constant work. And we're super proud of the work. Like, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like, I don't think I can think of another couple that has a marriage as bosses ours. And like, I'm so proud of that because it's taken so much
0: effort. Mm. That's so, that's so cool. That's something that I want to strive for. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe it'll start in in Banff. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Um, I was just curious about the childhood thing because I don't have kids yet. um, Not anytime soon, but I just coached little league and it's amazing how many kids, like some kids just, are ballers that are awesome i play little league myself and some kids just don't have confidence it's just like what is it where does it come from because i know i don't you're not born with it but you gather it somewhere and i just wonder i guess as like a kid like where you gather it where you lose it and then how you get it back um i don't know if you have any insight on that
1: Yeah. So I don't have kids and that's by choice. I do like kids, but it was something that Nathan and I never wanted to do. Um, But I do know that confidence is like a muscle confidence has to be used in order to be grown. Right. So like confidence is a muscle doing hard things makes you more confident because like, once you've done one thing, you're like, Oh, that was difficult. You're training your brain that, Oh, I can do another hard thing. That's how confidence is built. So I also think too, like, There's people that are just inherently a little bit more positive, but it is 100%. It can 100% be built and taught and grown and stretched because I am exactly living proof of that. And so I think that, like, one of the things that is really helpful is helping kids build their confidence by teaching them how to do small little things and how to be able to trust themselves and to build their own confidence. Like you don't need to be told every single day that like, you're the best ever. You need to build that inherently within yourself. So like making a child do something and holding them accountable to doing that and praising the fact that they actually did it. Like I could tell a kid all day long sitting on their ass Hey, I'm so like, you're, you're amazing. You're so confident. Like you should be so confident in yourself, but like, that's not doing anything. Like they actually need to like prove to themselves by doing something hard, by going out into the, I don't know, go out in the back backyard. And every single day you say, you're going to hit 10 like hits on the baseball. I'm not a baseball person, but you hit 10 hits every single day. And you make the kid do that you know, when they don't want to, when it's raining, when it's 102 degrees, when it's not, that kid is going to build their confidence because number one, they know that they can trust themselves because they've gone out there every damn day when they don't want to go out there. Number two, they're building that muscle of confidence that like, when I do this, I get better, I get better, I get better. And I, and I see myself doing it right. Like that's so, so important for people to like build their own confidence muscle, you know, getting out there and, and being around other kids who are positive, like you you as a parent, if you're like negative Nelly, think about, you know, you're in a house full of five people that want to lose 10 pounds and every, every, person in the house is eating Doritos and drinking a bottle of wine at night, chances are you're going to have a really hard time losing that wine. But if you're in a house with a person who's like, hey, I'm going to the gym at 6 a.m. And guess what? They go to the gym at 6 a.m. And they choose a baked potato over a bag of chips or whatever the hell it is. That person is probably going to gain the confidence that they, too, can lose the weight because they're around other people who are doing it. Hmm.
0: I agree with all of that so much. and I feel like I'm living proof, honestly, because so I moved down here to Carolina probably about 10, 11 years ago now. And a lot of my good friends were down here that I grew up with. And it was awesome to be here with them very shortly after they all got married. They all started having kids. I'm the single guy. Mm -hmm. So I literally kind of don't see my friends anymore. My friend group got shriveled because of that. Granted, we still talk, but we don't hang out. We don't go out. I'm not meeting people. And You know, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, how am I supposed to meet people? How am I supposed to like date anymore? How am I supposed to do all of it? It's just, I was in a place where it's like, I just felt so alone. And I kind of did what you were talking about as I started to use that muscle a little bit and started to be a little more friendly and interactive with people I've never met. Just saying, hi, how's it going? How's your day going? And then once you start doing that, then you start having better conversations and then it just starts rolling downhill. You're a hundred percent. Right. And then once you just don't do that for a while, you kind of get a little rusty with it. You forget how to approach people and just say hi and have a normal conversation. But I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of introverted by nature. So doing this podcast is almost like flexing my muscle because I'm not super chatty and extroverted. So it sometimes it's funny after these podcasts, there are times where I'm just, I feel so alive and energetic and there are times I feel drained and I'm ready to take a nap, but yeah. I love it regardless. I love it, but I agree with you hundred percent. It is very much like a muscle. the more you keep doing it, the easier it gets. And sometimes the more you really want to do it, keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and stuff. So um, that was a really, really good point. And one thing I kind of wanted to get your opinion on is now, I remember you saying like in your early mid-20s is like when you weren't super confident, you're getting all your validation from your appearance. At what point did you kind of start becoming more confident as far as like age? Because I do feel like experience and perhaps a little growing up and some maturity has something to do with it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I'm 38, I'll be 39 this fall.
0: What's, when's I- your birthday? I'm curious. October 8th. Okay. I'm September 15th. I'm turning 39, September 15th. So
1: oh, I got you're like, you got me by like less than <laughs> one.
0: I'll be 40 um, before you. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm excited to turn 40. I uh. bawled my whole entire 30th birthday, cried the whole entire time. My oh, husband man. like took me to a trip for to Florida, planned the whole thing. And that's the last trip he's ever planned because it's just probably. <laughs> it's just not what he's good at. Um, But he did do that. And I will say that like, that was like, kind of the beginning transition of like, like, like I said, I really just started kind of changing a whole bunch of things when I was like 27, 28 years old. So by the time I was 30, I still didn't feel like I was there. You know what I mean? But like, after that point, it was really when I kind of just like went all in and I definitely see like, so my clients are men and women in two pretty similar demographics one 25 to like 35 ish where the like you kind of got to the point that you're like holy crap this was not what I expected my life to be I need some help or that like close to 50 ish age where you're just like holy shit, time is running out. And this is not what I expected. And my Mm -hmm. kids are gone. And I've done everything for every other person besides myself. I'm completely unhappy. I'm not in the marriage I should be in, or you're just out of the the marriage that you should have never been in, in the beginning. Like those are the two demographics, hands down, no question. Um, I think that those are the two spots in life where people are just kind of like, they get these like epiphanies these like aha moments that they're like wow something else has to change so Do I see people younger than 25? Very rarely. I think I've had two clients like in 24, 24 years old, but mostly those are the two demographics. And it does come with age. You kind of get to this point that you're like, oh, wait, being 25 and like going out every night is not what I want to do. (laughs) Well,
0: not only that is one I can agree with you as far as like, oh shit, this is not where my life wanted to be. Cause like I said, all my friends are getting married. I'm staying at home. Like what the, what did I do wrong? Like, where did I go wrong? And the whole time I did nothing wrong. I just have a different path. Yeah. um but another Amen. thing is yeah another thing is too is like i don't know at least for me i'm super happy i didn't get married in my like 20s early 20s mid 20s like I, I see people do it all the time i was like i am completely different that i am now i, I would have been divorced not and would have been anybody's fault it's just been like what i want what i think is important is so much different than what i thought was important
1: oh my god totally okay. my husband and i it was our first marriage we dated for eight Well, we were together. So we dated for six years, engaged a year and got married on the seventh year. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Seven or eight years, whatever. We dated forever and ever a man, got engaged for a year and then we've been married 10 years. Wow.
0: Well, congratulations.
1: Thanks. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. That's
1: awesome. But I totally agree with you. If I would have done it at like 24, Oh dear Lord. Plus I have a person who was willing to do the work with me. And I think that's like massively important. And I get asked the question all the time, how did you get your husband on board with your self development? And my answer is always, I didn't, I just had to take care of myself. I just was like, so utterly focused on myself. And I had a partner who was willing to go, wow, she's now Kind of lapped me, I better catch up. And there's really like, there's just two options. He was either going to catch up or he was going to go. And I thank God every day that he was willing to catch up.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah. You push each other to become better people. Yeah. That's, that's so huge. That's honestly one of the things that I was looking for. And thank God it seems like I certainly found that someone who supports me and pushes me to be better. And hopefully I push her to be better. Um, and someone who is willing to honestly look in themselves in the mirror and say, what can I do better? How can we be better? Uh, it's, not, it's not always pointing the finger. It's No, uh,
1: you point the finger at yourself first, 100 yeah. million percent. Like you yeah. have to point the finger at yourself.
0: And I never did that. In my 20s, I never did that. And then yeah. I started to learn, OK, I, I'm a little messed up in some of these areas. How can I get better so, yeah, I got much better asking the question of what can I do better um, it makes a world of difference as, as far as like maturity and age and all that. Um, one thing I also want to talk about that makes a world of difference, honestly, is the story you tell yourself. Uh, let's talk about that. Like how, how I want to know how does a confidence coach talk to herself?
1: Um, yeah. It's super interesting. Cause if you know me on the golf course, my um, playing partners, and I've been doing this for years, my playing partners will tell you like, it's a running joke. You're the best putter there is. You're the best putter at the club. You're the, you're the world's greatest putter. Like my clients used to literally hashtag me world's greatest putter. Now, am I the world's greatest putter? Hell no. <laughs> but do I believe that I am? Hell yes, I do. I believe I could literally, Put better than anyone on the planet. Like I literally truly believe that in my head. I'm like, I am such a good putter. Like I will pay you a thousand dollars, like put off right now. Um, but that's a confidence thing, right? I say all the time, you can hear me on my podcast, or other people's podcasts. And even I probably said it without even recognizing it on this podcast, that the, one of the reasons why I am the best coach, I think I did say that because I, I truly do believe I am the best of the best of what I do, but That has taken manifesting it before it probably was even the case. Do I believe on like in my, you know, if I had to put a gun to my head, am I the best person in the space to do this? Who knows? But I believe I am. And that's like the number one most important thing. Like you have got to believe in yourself. And one of the reasons why I do believe I am the best at this is because not only do I talk to myself this way all the time, but I'm taking action every day that's putting my money where my mouth is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's massively important.
0: Now, I'm wondering before you tee up on number one, what what are you saying to yourself?
1: Most days now, so I only play golf like, once or twice a week. Now, if I'm lucky, I play twice a week. Um, my whole entire thing is like how blessed I am to be out there. Like I literally do not care. I just want to have the greatest time ever. I am such a boy when it comes to the golf course, I play what I call my old man money games. So I play with guys who are wealthy, retired, you know, fun to be around. Um, You know, we play these big money matches or whatever, and you know, big money, whatever you mean, whatever that means to you. But I just want to go and have the best day ever because, like, I truly do believe it is such a blessing. The fact that, like, I get to go out and enjoy my day. I'm a member at a country club that's absolutely breathtaking because I've manifested my way there. I've worked my ass off to get there. And so I want to enjoy the whole entire process. Like, I literally just want to have so much fun. So, that's what I try to do. When I start thinking about score or my swing or all the things, even when I play bad, I'm like, dang. I had such a good day. I played like shit, but it was like such a beautiful moment to be out there. And that's really what I try to think about now. I just try to think about how grateful I am to have the life that I do, whether that's me doing this podcast with you, whether that's me getting on my client calls every day, whether that's me doing really hard things in my business and managing my team or being a wife or playing golf. I just try to stay in the fact that like, I worked my ass off for this life. I prayed for this life. And I'm now living it. And that's freaking awesome.
0: That's such a great positive, positive mindset. Positive is probably the best word to describe that. It's a mindset we should all probably should have, honestly, especially after the year of COVID. <laughs> what a tough year that was. Now- You
1: know what's so crazy? COVID was the best year ever.
0: It was a very positive year for me, for the most part, for sure. For COVID me- it was the but... greatest year
1: ever. I just decided that at the beginning of COVID, if you go back and look on my social media, I'm at B Christina. I did a video like literally like probably like the first or second week of April. And I said, fucking watch me. This will be (laughs) the greatest year of my life. I'm going to lap people. I'm going to make more money now. And I'm going to have better time this year than any year before. And guess what? I was pretty damn close.
0: That's awesome. I love that confident mindset. It is very contagious
1: hell yeah, it is. I love that. People want to work with me. My wait list is so long is because people borrow my confidence until they grow their own.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Now for the people who maybe, I don't know, shank a tee shot into the, into the woods. I want to know what your confidence, what are you telling yourself when you have a misfire? It can just be in life on the golf course, whatever. What's your mindset to bounce back?
1: it really is like the fact that like, this is not life or death. It's no big deal. I I was playing really crappy golf at the beginning of the season. And I just kept telling myself, I'm like, well, this is because I haven't played in a while. This is because like, there's something off in my swing. I'm like, I know how to play really good golf. I know how to figure this out. I know one day it's just going to come to me. And then, you know, you can put in the time I'll be honest. I didn't really put, I used to practice all the time with golf. And now I'm like, I am the girl who like jumps out of the car, hits 10 golf balls on the first tee. Cause I used to put in so much time to it. And, but I think that that's a thing too. I can't be mad at myself. I don't practice. How can I, how can I be mad and beat myself up about something that I'm not putting the work into my priorities right now lie completely different than they used to lie. My priorities lie in my business. My priorities lie in my relationships. My priorities do not lie no longer in me being the best golfer. And that is, I think something that every golfer needs to remember, unless you are putting in the amount of effort that um, would be required for you to be a really great golfer, quit beating yourself up for it. You know what I mean? Like you're not out there banging balls every single solitary day or sweating your ass off putting for hours and hours and hours. So why are you out there beating yourself up about it when you're not putting in the energy?
0: Makes a lot of sense. And something I'm curious to get your opinion on. So so, a situation I was in, I was to say a couple years ago, being single, is let's say walking up to somebody at a bar or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to introduce yourself to somebody. I know there's people listening to this probably like, what does a confidence coach tell somebody when they just get shot down or reject? It's the fear of rejection. What should you say to yourself after, let's say you ask for a phone number and you don't get it or you try to have a conversation didn't go the way you wanted it to? What's the mindset you should have after that?
1: Well, first of all, you have to figure out like who you are. You have to like know, be confident in yourself. I mean, if you're confident in yourself, I'm not telling you that some of this stuff doesn't hurt. I'm not telling you that some of this stuff isn't like a bit of a bummer because it feels like it is when you're in it. Like even in business, like, you know, even when something happens and it feels like, Oh, this is the worst thing ever. How did this happen? Like, If you truly believe like deep within your core, this kind of comes back to the faith aspect, but if the, if you believe deep within your core, that like it is absolutely happening for you and that there's a purpose and a reason you're going to be able to get over that bump a lot quicker, you know, you're going to be able to get over that rejection a lot quicker. Like clearly that person's not for you, or perhaps it has nothing to do with you, or perhaps, you know maybe a year from now, they'll circle back or what lesson can you take from it? You know, like what healing do you need to go through in order to get to the next best version where that person is then for you. And then oftentimes too, it's never about you. Don't, don't make it about you.
0: (laughs) That's so freaking true. We'll never know the full story. You'll They'll never know. know. And you got to almost accept that because totally. there was times where, like I said, like when we started this podcast, I was like, somebody would bail on a date and it's just like, well, what the hell, blah, blah, blah. For all you know, something happened. Um, some, there there's issues with them. You just dodged a bullet. And totally. I, was, I love the fact that you just said, you know, you got to tell yourself that they, they're not for you. They just, I got to the point where I got, I became really confident in myself. And if it didn't work out or whatever, it's like, that kind of sucks for them. You know, I guess they're just not for me and I'll find someone who appreciates me more. So that's
1: exactly it. You have to like yourself first. And I think that that is a thing that so many people struggle with is they are trying to find happiness or fulfillment or whatever it is in the other person. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for something from that other person, it's going to be really, really friggin' hard because oftentimes if you can't find it for yourself, taking it from that other person is not the best thing for you in my That's personal terrible. opinion. But I will be honest with you. This is kind of like a crazy situation and I definitely have spoken this and it's so interesting that relationship is coming up in this podcast and three of my clients right now are either going through breakups or dealing with hard situations. And I will be completely honest with you. I have literally been in three relationships my whole entire life. And one is my husband. So it's, I sometimes feel like that I've had a lot of um, bumps along my road, but it's never been really in relationship, which is super interesting
0: yeah. But it sounds like you've put a ton of work in. So you have an idea of how to make a relationship work.
1: Oh, a hundred million percent. There's no question about it, but like it was, it's interesting. Cause I was always the girl who was like, did not give two shit about being in a relationship, did not care. Didn't even really care to like go on a bunch of dates. It wasn't something that I really was. It, it hasn't been, I think every one of us has you know, a couple of things right in life. And I think that it's never really been one of my couple things, but I definitely have empathy for the people that it is their thing, you know, mm. cause we all have a thing. And I think oftentimes we look at other people and be like, Oh, it must be so nice. They have this. I'm like, well, you don't know, like the three other dumpster fires I have going on.
0: Right. Yeah. And it took me a long time. I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Brian, who actually had you on his podcast. I'm not sure when it might've been a year or two on Draco to the just get started. Oh my God. That
1: was like four years ago. I'm like,
0: wow. Yeah, no, he's one of my good friends. And I remember, I remember talking with him a few years ago when I had these frustrations I was telling you about, and he's like, you know, just, you're just on a different path, you know, and sometimes you just really have to stop comparing. You just have to do the best you can do. And that's going to be good enough. And what happened was honestly, like, I started to travel a ton the last few years. I started this podcast. I started, you know, I was doing my freelance, like graphic design work and stuff. You know what that did? That made me super interesting. That made me very busy and passionate. And then when when I met my girlfriend, Kristen, like all those things were already lined up and she appreciated everything I was doing, not what I was talking about doing or what I was going to do. And now it's funny because I had to tell myself many times like that person wasn't for me, that person wasn't for me. And now, honestly, like so, we started this podcast at four o'clock, right? Yeah, three, 3 fifty-seven. I turn my phone on. I see a message from her saying, "Good luck in your podcast today." Uh, like that is what I waited all those years for. Yeah, for so the people who are like single, or having a hard time, I, I get it. Keep focused. Keep doing you. Keep Honestly, keep focusing on you, making yourself the best you can, and you will find someone who appreciates that. Much Amen like-
1: to that. There is, and, and quit telling yourself all the good ones are gone. Do you know how many people say that shit? I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I know awesome people. Like exactly. I know great people. What you don't talking?
0: lower your standards either. Keep your standards. Now, one thing I wanted to touch on too, about confidence is you can tell who has confidence by body language. Now, how do you work on body language with your clients?
1: Oh, good question. I don't really do that very often. Really?
0: I don't, body language no, is I don't, me.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting that that's something that, you know, I think, Oh, gosh, that's so good. You know, I don't really know. One of the things that I know about a confident person is a confident person is always willing to say they don't know everything. And so, you know, that was me right there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. That's not something that's actually come up. But I do think that like a confident person is a person who's willing to kind of step in the fire, no matter what a person who's willing to kind of say, perhaps I don't have the The answer. Like I just said right there. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. How do I make someone more confident with their body language? You know, there is like that, you know, posture pose that they say, like one thing that I do, which is super interesting. So like, this is a podcast. There's only, I only sit two times in a day. I only sit if I am on a podcast Or if I am on a group coaching call where I have to take notes, Hmm. but most of the time I take all of my clients, so I do one-on-one coaching and group coaching. Uh, I stand. I have a standing desk, and so I stand. And I the reason why I do that is because I feel like I have a lot more energy. Even when I'm recording my own podcast, like solo podcast, I stand and hold the mic and kind of walk around my office. That's a great
0: idea. I'm gonna yeah. It gives me a
1: ton more energy. I do all my coaching calls standing up. Wow.
0: You probably have like more enthusiasm and stuff in your voice. Totally. I never thought about that.
1: Yeah. You have a ton more energy. You get less tired when you're standing and like, make sure you have some good tennis shoes. I wear tennis shoes all day long, but yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. No, that's, that's a great tip. Cause I think I'm going to record a solo episode here in the next like week or two. Cool. Um, I want to talk about that. So yeah. As a confidence person confident person, confidence coach, um, do you ever get nervous? And when is being nervous a good thing versus a bad thing?
1: Totally. I think being uh I think if you don't have any nerves whatsoever, it probably means that you're um kind of complacent. It's probably not something that's super pushing you. You know what I mean? Like I just launched one of my newest programs last week and it was the first call last, I guess, last Monday or Tuesday. And of course I was nervous before the call. I want, I want to do well. I, I care about what I'm doing, right? Like if I didn't care about what I'm doing and I didn't care about the people that I am helping, I probably wouldn't be all that nervous because, you know, I don't know. It's like, you have to care about what you're doing. And when you care about something, there's a little bit of nerves in there. It's, I never, I think the difference is, is like, I never get so nervous that I would like prevent myself from doing something. I'm always willing to fail. I'm always willing to say like, I don't know. I'm always willing to say like, perhaps I'm a rookie at this, but I'm willing to try it because it's something I care about. But I don't think in any regard, do I think that I would not do something? Um, A good example is I went and climbed Kilimanjaro a couple of years ago for a children's hospital. And like, (laughs) I literally had never slept in a tent before, let alone frigging hiked. Um, Was I super nervous? Did I have like some imposter syndrome? Did I have some fears? Absolutely, but I was willing to go and do it anyway because I knew on the other side of that, I would figure it out no matter what.
0: That's awesome. Now, one thing that I learned, I guess, growing up with the whole age thing was, you know, sometimes when I was younger, if I was nervous, I didn't want to do it. It was like, I don't want to do it. I'm nervous. But then once I got older, if I became like nervous for an interview. I remember years ago, I worked for ESPN. I'm a sports nut. And ESPN was my dream job. I was sweating bullets through my shirt. And but I just kept telling myself, like, And it's like before like a first date that really matters to you. It's like, I'm nervous because this matters. I would rather be on an interview or a date that matters than one that didn't. I just kept telling myself that and that made a world of difference for me. It's like, this is a good nerve. It's not a bad-
1: 100%. Like don't do anything that doesn't really like give you some nerves because it truly means that you're probably staying complacent. Like to get to the next level in anything you probably have to do something that makes you a bit nervous.
0: That's that's so, so true. Now congrats on climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So the one thing that really makes me nervous is heights. Oh, yeah. That's one thing like cliffs and stuff. I, yeah, I'm gradually getting there, but it's a slow, it's a slow get there. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Now I'm curious to know, as far as like got a confidence coach, like, do you do like any mind workouts? Do you do anything for mindset, any meditation? Do you have any tips or tricks with that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So like I do like daily gratitude, daily, um, kind of journaling brain dumps, getting things on paper. What am I grateful for? Uh, I think I do anything to kind of calm my breathing during the day. Like I definitely calm myself with like, um, Slow breaths for sure, because to me, like in between clients, I know this kind of sounds weird, but in between clients, I run up and down my stairs to change my energy. And then oftentimes, like I'll say out loud what I'm grateful for, and then I'll kind of calm my breath by breathing in, holding it and breathing out. And so like, it's this weird kind of like mental routine that I go through to make sure that like, I'm kind of in the right space. So after you, um, I, have an, I have a I I have one of our group coaching calls tonight. So I'll probably change my energy, run up and down the stairs, get into gratitude and then calm my breath and kind of get refocused. But for me, like I, I'm not a big meditator, but I am huge on stillness and pure silence. I am always going and I am full of like energy. Like I hope your audience can tell on this podcast. I'm super passionate about what I get to do. Yeah. And so by that, I have to figure out how to calm myself as well to get back into the highest, I call it the highest vibration so I can be on for all my clients all the time. So for me, it's just like getting myself back to this clear mind, high vibrational space where I am able to be on like a frequency, you know, as woo as that sound, but like on a higher vibration to where I'm bringing the energy, I have the clarity, I have the confidence. And so for me, it's just a matter of like getting centered in that being so grateful for what I get to do on a daily basis. And just remembering like, this is a life that I've created. And even on stressful days, I'm like, so unbelievably grateful that this is my life. So yes, it's a quote unquote, practice, I guess, but for me, it's just getting in that vibration.
0: This is also why I feel like you are a few steps ahead of me, because (laughs) we live, I'll, I'll, I'll say kind of similar lifestyles as far as like, go, go, go. Yeah. And my biggest, biggest weakness, and a lot of people close to me will probably attest to this, is stopping, slowing Mm -hmm. down, being still in silence. I don't ever have any of that. And because I used to think, um, you know, I went to a therapist a couple years ago and we were talking about things. And um, she said, Do you ever have any downtime? I was like, Well, I walk my dogs a lot and around the neighborhood. She's like, No, that's not downtime. You need to sit still, quiet, and think. And I said, no. She's like, don't you think there's a reason for that? And it is my biggest weakness is one of those things where I know I need to do and I still don't freaking do it. But it's like every day I wake up, walk my dogs, go to work. I'll do a podcast, do my freelance, go to the gym, go see my girlfriend, go to bed, put the TV on and fall asleep. Like, and I do it over and over and over again. I travel, I plan, I do all this. And so I want to know, how did you get, to where you are today as far as like having more stillness and quietness? Did you just kind of force yourself to do that? Or how, how yeah, do you, you think kind that-
1: of have to force yourself to do it, but you also have to know, like you kind of get to a point of burnout, but I think oftentimes people don't like stillness because that has a tendency to think. And a lot of people who don't like their own thoughts, and I'm not saying that this is you, but I know for myself, my schedule had to be from the second I woke up until the second I went to bed, because if I had that, I had had the ability to not think I had the ability to not like think about the thoughts that I didn't want to think about like think about like a, that I didn't like myself or what I was doing or all the things and I think that that's oftentimes we live in a world where people numb from feeling and you can numb by being busy you can numb by scrolling social media or turning on the television or doing all the things that keep you from actually being still and I think you know being, so my social media handle is Christina B-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. And the reason why that is, is like every single day, my job is to show up and be Christina. What does that look like today? Who is that today? What serves the highest purpose today by being Christina? Some days it's golf Christina, some days it's coach Christina, wife Christina, all the things. And it's also being Christina, sitting on my ass and doing nothing and knowing that I'm okay and worthy doing that. I think oftentimes, you know, you just said you're a high achiever, you get your worth from doing. So if you're just being, are you actually worthy? Like there's a lot of things that kind of go into that. So I think definitely just understanding that being is actually what we are created for. And when we're in alignment with what we're, you know, how we're showing up in the world, we know that we can be, and it doesn't um, take away our worth.
0: I'm going to listen to this part <laughs> again. See now, I feel like you're definitely right as far as like people are are busy because they want to feel numb and don't like their thoughts. Um, I want to say, you know, I'm not going to say that's not me, but I want to say at least for me, I truly believe there's sometimes I try to give myself downtime and I feel like there's just something productive I can be doing at that moment. Like, why am I sitting here when I could be doing this or totally
1: and. And that I actually agree with because you are a high achiever and you do love your life. And like, I'm very similar. Like I actually think the greatest asset on the planet is time. And it's the, the thing that we cannot get any backup. So like, there's a, that balance in it. But my question to you would be like, where do you get like your greatest epiphany moments? Where do you get like this like sense of like, like for me, I get my biggest aha moments, my biggest epiphanies in pure still, stillness. In, in the
0: shower. Moment. In the shower.
1: Yeah. But think about it. That's being still in some regards, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So if you allow yourself to have more stillness, chances are you'll have more clarity.
0: That's honestly, with what you just said, something just clicked. That is great to hear. I never thought about it from that perspective. Cause it's funny. Cause I was literally just talking to my girlfriend a week or two ago about this. I was like, do you ever have great thoughts in the shower? I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's science behind water flowing over you that like really releases some kind of some imagination chemicals, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, I really should think that's a thing, but I remember we were in Tahoe a few weeks ago and I was taking a shower and I was like, you ever noticed the pattern on these walls? They're the same in all these corners and stuff like that. She's like, you're weird. But I was like, I know, but I think differently when I'm standing still in the shower. That's very interesting that comes back around a few weeks later that you say that. I never thought of it that way.
1: Yeah. So give yourself, you know, a couple minutes of stillness each day and just see if something comes through for you. I and like, that. that's really, for me, it's like the stillness and the quiet is really where I kind of recenter myself.
0: That's really great advice. I'm curious, do you have any more advice as far as like breathing and or do you use like any apps or anything on your phone for assistance? You know,
1: one of my clients, uh, they're actually two women, they own a company called Prescription Wellness. And it's like a holistic wellness company. And they do definitely do like mind, body, soul, the whole thing. But like, just simple breathing techniques, like there's things called Wim Hof breathing and things like that. But like, daily meditations where you really like calm yourself they always say if you don't have 30 minutes to meditate that means that you're um it, what, what do they say if you don't have 30 minutes to meditate it means that you need to do 90 so it's like one of those moments like if you don't have 30 minutes for stillness it means that you need to do 90 um but for for their techniques i would say definitely go to prescriptionwellness.com but like it's basically like breathing in through your nose for 5 holding it for five, breathing out for five. And I definitely think that what that does is it like, I can physically tell like physiologically how it calms my body. Like I, I vibrate so high because I'm passionate about what I'm doing. So I think for me, just like calming my breath and sitting still and like, not looking like stopping yourself from like, Looking at, like, even your book, your phone, your computer, nothing, and just sit there and just like listen to your breath for even five minutes, like just five minutes, it'll change a lot of things. Oftentimes during the day I'll go outside and I'll just sit in my backyard for five minutes and look at the sky to me. That just like totally calms my nervous system. It just calms me down no matter what I'm thinking during the day. And I, I do calls in 45 minute segments. So usually typically I have like 10 to 15 minutes in between each call. And I'll try to like calm myself in between each call for me. That's very important.
0: Okay. So it seems like you do the breathing techniques in the middle of the day, not necessarily when you wake up or do you do it before you go to bed too, or.
1: In my morning is really, so my morning consists of like, before my feet hit the ground, I, immediately get into gratitude. So like, I don't write my gratitude anymore. Like I just say 10 things that I'm grateful for in my head, minimum of 10 things that I'm grateful for in my head before my feet even hit the ground. So I get up between four and five every single morning. And in that time before my feet hit the ground, before I go pee, whatever, like I literally am just like thinking about the things that I'm grateful for, because I'm, I'm training myself to think about the positive things before my feet even hit the ground, because oftentimes we wake up and we go straight into go mode. I literally don't do shit for probably about an hour to an hour and a half every single morning. Like besides, you know, drinking a cup of coffee, doing my morning devotionals, you know, like doing my posts on social media. I do that every single solitary morning for the last four years. You know, I'm just very consistent with what I do in the mornings, but it gets me centered for my day. And there is like pure style, pure silence, pure stillness during that time.
0: I'm always interested to know the routines of successful people, let alone confidence coaches. So <laughs> that's a good little nugget too. Like as these questions that I love hosting a podcast, because it's the successful people, You what do they do? When do they wake up? What are their, what are the routines? What are they eating? When are they going to bed? All that stuff. It's Cause it's
1: small habits that like literally move monuments, like literally, like, I swear to God, I've been doing the exact same thing for like five years. I pretty much wake up at the exact same time. I go to bed at the exact same time. I do the exact same things every single day. I don't miss things. I don't put things off. Like that is the key to, in my personal opinion, what's the key to your success. Um, the fact that I am like uberly consistent, Mm. like game changing consistency, like that's it. You could probably murder me after watching me for a week, because like, I do the exact same shit every single day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but consistency is how you kind of tell yourself you keep showing up. And that's how you build confidence too. totally. That's so awesome. So as we kind of wrap up here a little bit. So for the people I I would say who are listening, perhaps maybe uh, have a little bit of a low confidence right now, or maybe a low self esteem. Do you have any like kind of maybe little tips or tricks, how to get them started in the right path?
1: Yeah. So uh, a good friend of mine, she has something called a DAC card and it's called a daily agreement card. And she was a part of Ed Mylett, and Andy Frazella's masterminds for a long time. And she kind of took the habits of like those high performers and created this daily agreement card. And it's basically five things that you put on this card the night before. And the whole thought process behind it all is keeping small promises to yourself every single day. Like that is the whole entire game changing, like, premise behind it all is let's say you don't drink water and you want to drink water, but every single day you don't drink water. Well, you're training yourself that you can't keep a promise to yourself. So if your goal is to like, start drinking more water and no matter what you drink five cups of water every single day for however long your brain knows that it can trust itself. Like that is the key is small habits consistently every single day, get them done in the morning. Like decision fatigue is a real friggin' thing. If you're saying, Hey, I'm not going to drink wine, but like you compromise every single night, you're training yourself that you're not confident in the fact that you can keep that decision to yourself. So yeah. create a habit, create what I call, you know. Yeah. I try to like make sure like we have stop losses, like what is the thing that is going to happen no matter what? So we don't have a loss at the end of the day. And I, I mean, put in habits, like take shit out from your house, like do things every single day, add some, add things in that allow you to keep small promises to yourself because confidence is built by keeping promises to yourself, by doing things over and over consistently, hands down, no question. And don't lie to yourself every day. If you say you're going to do something, hold yourself accountable to do that thing, but don't say, I'm going to go to the gym for three hours a day, starting off because chances are you're not going to be able to be consistent with that. Be consistent with small habits, as much as possible. And those small habits, 365 days a year are going to be massive changes.
0: If there was anyone listening to this, that was wondering why or how you were a confidence (laughs) coach, they are not now, (laughs) they are not wondering that anymore. And I like the fact you just said my, I I like listening to his podcast. He's got, yeah, he's great. Um, who are you, who are your biggest inspirations right now? Hmm.
1: You know, it's so funny. My assistant asked me this question on, we did a podcast together and, you know, the thing, probably the thing that means the most to me is integrity, especially in the world that I exist in the online space. There's people of (laughs) fake people, every left, right, and center. And I think for me, the people who I aspire to be like um, are people who are of integrity, people who are very much themselves people who have high standards for what they want to be and how they want to show up in the world. I think that that's really important. So could I pick like one in particular person? No, but my 70 or pardon me, she's 83, 83 year old neighbor who is the kindest, most athletic, outgoing, you know, chipper woman on the planet. She's someone I admire too. I don't really like idolize celebrities. I've been around so many celebrities and athletes and famous people and really, really wealthy people in my life. And some people are assholes and some people are great. I just really idolize people who are happy, authentic, vulnerable of integrity. You know, like I respect someone, even if you don't think the way that I think, I respect a person who's willing to like stand up for what they believe in and mm-hmm. be who they are. I mean, those are the type of people that really matter to me.
0: It's out of curiosity. Yeah. Do you know who Matthew Hussey is?
1: Yeah, I totally do. i heard him speak a few times, yeah.
0: Really, he's he's honestly one of my dream guests. I would love to have Oh, really him. cool, yes. yeah, yeah.
1: I heard him speak at an event maybe about four years ago. Um. Yeah, he was just on Danica Patrick's podcast. That's a podcast I listen to quite often. Is Danica Patrick's podcast?
0: Oh, nice. I'll check that out, and then maybe I'll reach out to her, and we'll see. We'll see see how that goes. You
1: get her before I do. I am going to be pissed at life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll post this clip on social. I'll be Danica. Exactly. Do it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. But it is funny how you said like, you don't like admire celebrities and stuff. Cause I remember it takes me back to when I was working up at ESPN. And that's when I was just in love with sports. I still am, but it's like to a different degree. And you looked up to all these athletes growing up and you wanted to be like them. And that's when I remember when Michael Vick went to jail and I was just like shaking my head. I was doing sports center, like all the graphics and stuff on there. I was like, why do I admire these guys? you know like some of them are just such douchebags you, you don't know what they're doing like after the game and like he's like killing dogs and stuff is like you know be careful who you idolize yourself after so i i kind of love that the fact that you said like your neighbor you know that's oh,
1: she's like 83 years old she's the happiest human on the planet she walks every single day she like bebops around her yard i look at her out my window as i'm working every day and i'm like She's just the nicest person. She smiles at everyone. I'm like, that to me is like living life. And that's what I want to be remembered as and who I want to show up in this world as is like a bebopper, get get after it, 83 year old who's like, just finds joy in every single thing that she does.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. And for all you know, she wants to be like you too. So
1: (laughs) yeah, she loves me. I love her.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. I, I love hearing that. So before we wrap this up, I'd love for you to tell the people where to find you online, social media, let's hear it.
1: Cool, yeah. Just come see me on Instagram at B-Christina, B-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, where I help you decide it's your turn every single day. That's my podcast, Decide It's Your Turn podcast. You can come and uh, listen to that podcast. Hopefully get so much out of it. And yeah, just connect with me. I connect with everyone I possibly can on social media.
0: I love that too. Cause I reached out to you. I got a pretty quick response and it was a voice response too. And I love that. I was like, Oh, you you got me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you're doing. So I awesome.
1: appreciate it, me.
0: Christina. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'd love to keep in contact. We'd love to have you back on sometime in the future. This was wonderful. You gave like so many good nuggets of information. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a hard time picking up the highlights from this episode. So honestly, thank cool. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate y'all very much and uh, have a great rest of your day.
0: You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> special thank you to christina la if you couldn't tell she was a mindset and confidence coach then i'm not sure what podcast you were listening to she definitely does not lack confidence and i love it and you got a little sense of her no bs approach that she gladly puts on her website but it's amazing christina you're great i hope to link up with you again soon And don't forget to give me a follow, subscribe, leave a review so I can keep bringing you great content and I'll catch you next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.